Welcome, everyone, to a brand new episode of Ian's Untitled Scene Show. My name is Ian, and this is very cool. It almost feels like a homecoming whenever I have these certain people on the show. And today I'm very lucky because I get to catch up with my buddy, Robbie Litchfield of Saving Vice. Robbie, man, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Ian. How are you doing? I am not doing too bad. We talked a little off air. Obviously, I'm still getting over COVID. It's just a very, very random thing to happen. And I guess it's happening to everybody. But especially when a lot of what I do focuses on my voice, it still feels kind of weird. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I totally hear you. And I got it back on uh, New Year's Eve. We were just talking a little bit right earlier about it. So it's just like, yeah, I mean, I didn't have it quite as bad. Mm-hmm. Um, Chase, my, uh, you know, the screamer in Saving Vice, for those of you listening, uh, yeah. he, he got it like way worse than me. His symptoms were like, I'm not going to go into details, just right. to spare him or whatever, <laughs> but it was pretty brutal. I'm like, dude, that's not at all what I'm going through. So it's just crazy how like, it just affects everyone differently. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's just so wild how many different symptoms there are. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what I'm <clears throat> See, I can still hear it a little bit. Like it, it just doesn't feel as right in my head for some reason. But when I listen back right. to shows I've done, I don't really hear a difference. It's just for some reason in my head while I'm doing it, I feel a little bit different. But like we said, everyone goes through different symptoms. Probably everyone is going to get it at some point, it seems, no matter how careful you are, it's just going to happen. You know what, yeah. man? Like, it just, it's so crazy because we were just, um, you know, obviously we're probably going to talk about it more on, on this podcast, but like, um, you know, we have all these show announcements. We're playing a bunch of uh, of shows uh, this upcoming week. It's currently like, you know, early April. Yeah. And uh, as of today, as of the recording of this podcast, we just announced our tour with, um, you know, Lil Xan and Dropout Kings, Yep. Um, which is, which is awesome. And you know, it's just like this band has been through so much the past few years, especially with COVID, like, you know, our whole comeuppance, we had so much energy and momentum for so long. Oh, yeah. And to have it all stripped away because the pandemic was was so brutal. And it's just like, you know, we're talking in the in the chats still to this day, just like all anxious, like, oh, my God, like, what if one of, one of us gets COVID and stuff oh, like that? It's right, just like, right. you know, so it's like we've had the rug pulled from us so many times you know, from things just kind of, you know, out of our control. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's hard to like, believe that things are good again. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Like, it's hard to wrap our head around uh, just all of all of this stuff that's going on for us. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Now, when you talk about that, because I'm sure probably you're not that different from any other band out there, right? Talking about mm-hmm. that stuff. I think if I'm not mistaken, I think Black Veil Brides just had to, you know, cancel a few shows, you know, they're out on tour with Ink and Motionless and White, which is obviously a huge tour for them to have to do right. that. I think Under Oath and Spirit Box at one point had to do that as well. Right. So it's just kind of part of everything. Do you have a backup plan? Uh, you know, is there anything that you can do besides take, you know, a few dates off or something? Or is there anything that anyone can do? So, I mean, we're actually um, meeting up this week uh, as a band. We're doing some, we're doing a rehearsal or whatever. And, um, we're going to be, this is one of the topics actually that oh. you and I are talking about right now. We're going to be discussing kind of our game plan um, with how we're going to approach, you know, basically like preventative me- measures um, because like you know, going on a tour, like the little Xan tour where we're going to be playing to, you know, I would imagine packed venues every night, 300 plus cap rooms, mm-hmm. um, which is going to be amazing. You know, the, the catch with the bigger shows is that more people equals more opportunity for that kind of stuff to spread. True. Um, I know a lot of bands that are still wearing masks. Mm-hmm. Um, they're having their their crew wear masks. And trust me, bro, I fucking hate masks. Oh, like, yeah. right. I have glasses and I've got a beard and it's just like it's the awful. worst thing ever. <laughs> having a mask in there. Yeah, it's like the worst combo ever. So it's just it's just so itchy. My glasses always fog up. Yep. And um, I'm totally a baby about it. And I, I, I like rarely ever, I'm a, I'm a producer. I never leave my, my, my house, you know right. what I mean? And even when I rarely have to wear the mask, I complain. But even still, I know that this is a really serious thing, you know, this career. Mm-hmm. And if wearing masks, having our team wear masks um, helps us sleep a little bit better at night and prevent that kind of stuff, um, you know, that then, you know, that's what we're going to do. It, it's honestly, the mask thing isn't so bad. The only issue 
I found with the masks is that when you're at the venue, Mm -hmm. it's really hard to communicate with people. Like it's already fucking hard as it is, man. Like you can't hear shit and you have fans trying to talk to you over like this blasting music. You know what I mean? And it's just like, it's already hard enough. I have to read lips and with masks, it's like, well now I can't read lips and I can't hear what the fuck this person's saying. So that's really, that's honestly probably the worst part for me as far as the masks go. Mm -hmm. But, you know, otherwise it's just kind of like, you know, like I said, it kind of just is what it is. Like I'd rather not get sick and be able to do a tour. Um, You know what I'm saying? And just have that kind of safety net. And I'm not saying masks are the end all be all. Like, obviously you can still get sick with them, but I mean, let's, let's face it. Like you're, if you're vaccinated and you're wearing masks and you're, not being an idiot and like making out with people, you know, <laughs> just like coughing each other's mouths or whatever. Right. Um, you know, you're just using common sense. Like, you know, your chances of getting sick are going to be a lot lower, which I know is kind of like you were just telling me like off air or whatever, how you kind of got sick randomly. You're like, yeah. I have no fucking clue how I got sick. By the, so, by the way, Robbie, happens, you know? not only, not only randomly, I also wear my mask as well. Right. So. <laughs> That's got to be super frustrating, right? Yeah. Like, you're, I did everything right, man. Like, right. what the fuck? I was following all the rules, you know, even though they change every other day. I was trying to do everything I was supposed to do. But that, I guess that's kind of the worry I have for you guys as well, especially because you are so fan friendly as well. So mm. you're going to be out there wanting to meet yeah. people, talk to people, like you said. And right. you're right, in a venue, holy shit, is it difficult to actually have a conversation with somebody because most of the time you're either reading their lips really close to their face or you're bending down to hear them so you've got your ear right to their mouth so yeah any musician (laughs) any musician can kind of relate with this but it's just like there's always that one fan at every venue that is just so drunk or just so whatever and they're just like physically spinning when they're yes. talking to you yep you know what i mean and mm-hmm. you can feel the fucking little bits of saliva <laughs> hit your cheek and you're like jesus christ and now it's like that much worse you know so right. it's like i don't know man it's it's definitely difficult we are a very fan-friendly band um that's honestly and and maybe i'm crazy maybe, maybe i am crazy for saying this but that's honestly my f- probably my favorite part of every show mm-hmm. is afterwards when the show's done I love when the lights come on. It's fucking quiet. All the gear is packed up. It's in the trailer, right? Yeah. And we're just able to hang out at our merch table and take photos with fans and have real meaningful conversations. Right. And not have to blow out our fucking voices doing it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That is my favorite part of every night. Not even playing on stage. I mean, I love playing on stage. Don't oh, yeah. get me wrong. I'm just saying right. engaging with fans and like getting to know these people and like having real meaningful conversations and relationships is like, that's what makes it worth it for me personally. I can't speak on you know behalf of the rest of the band, oh, sure. but for me, that's my favorite part every night. Yeah, man. So no, no, I I know that about you guys. I know it's not just you and the band for sure. I know it's other people as well. But it's just one of those right. things where the thing is, I guess the way you have to look at it, right, is everyone's dealing with it. So it's right. not just a your band thing compared to everybody else. It's everybody else. So you kind of mm-hmm. have to take it as it comes. And I know. You've said this to me before, and you said this to me before, you know, we actually started talking today, is that you believe everything happens for a reason, right? So right. who knows? Maybe that's just the way things go, and maybe you guys will be completely fine. I hope that you are. I hope that there are no yeah, lags in so it. Yeah. Yeah, we got a lot of finances riding yes. on this stuff, you know. Right. It's like because when you think about it, you know, like playing shows, um, at least for our band, I mean, we we are doing pretty well as far as like streaming and our merch game is really good. Like yes. we, we make good money with that stuff and I'm very thankful for that, especially as a, you know, an independent band. Mm-hmm. Um, but playing shows for us, I mean, even still is probably, if you look at the pie chart of our income, mm-hmm. the saving price income, I would say playing live shows is pro it's at least 70%. Oh, wow. You know, you know, and for most bands, I would I would care to wager it's probably closer to 80, 90 yeah, percent. For us, sure. it's probably 70, 75 percent, I, I would say, mm-hmm. um, historically speaking. And, uh, you know, when shows get taken away, it's not just, oh, I didn't get to play a show. It's like, oh, I didn't get to pay my bills. You right. know, it's a lot right. different. And I feel for all those bands like seeing like you mentioned Under Oath and Spirit Box, seeing that all that go down. 
Um, you know, the Trinity of Territory, which is super awesome that they finally put that together. But, you know, um, I, I haven't heard about Blackfell Brides, but I know that Chris Motionless um, had to. I don't know if you were thinking about Chris Motionless no, or I'm, if you were. I'm pretty sure it was. I'm pretty sure it was Black Veil Brides, but I also okay, do well, know that something happened. Well, I guess to Chris both too. of them did yeah, then, because right. Chris missed at least two or three shows because. But that wasn't he, COVID, um, though. Uh, yeah, I don't think it was COVID, right. but my my point is that like getting sick in general it just sucks. Yeah, yeah, it just sucks. Think about it, like, and that could happen to our vocalists. Right, you know what I mean? Like, Tyler Chase could come down with something, and it's like. I mean, I guess we have two vocalists, so we could kind of tr- maybe figure something out. But, sure. you know, it's just kind of hard to think that if one of our members is out of commission, it's like, that's cool. Well, if we have to cancel a show, that's, you know, a grand plus out of our pockets. Right. You know what I mean? That's right. not being made yeah. that we need to make, you know? So absolutely. It's just, uh, you know, it's difficult. Yeah. No, it's very tough for you guys, too. And then, I mean, for anyone that that doesn't know, I think we might have, I think we, we definitely talked when Hello There came out, but I don't think we realized the extent to what the pandemic was going to be like. So you legitimately had Hello There come out at the end of February oh, in man. 2020, which is just insane to think about. And then, you know, you did Binary and then you had, you know, your singles like Phantom Pain and Dying to Watch, but all that has really been out when you haven't been able to play live shows so you didn't you didn't get to capitalize on we just had an album out now let's go out and promote it and that's a very sad thing to happen because that album's fucking great so now is kind of your chance to go out there but now hello there is even i I mean it's kind of probably fallen in ways that you want to promote the band you want to start playing new music that you have so i'm sure there will be you know tracks from and whatnot but you miss that opportunity to really go out there with it yeah, no, that's a hundred percent accurate. Um, you know, depending on how you look at it, we were really lucky in in the sense of uh, you know, we had our album release show March seventh yep. of twenty twenty, which was like I think two weeks after Hello There dropped or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, Hello There dropped. We did our album release show, sold it out. This was at Higher Ground in yep. in, uh, in Vermont, South right. Burlington, Vermont, yep. our hometown venue. Um, and that was fucking awesome. Nice. And that was on a Saturday night, we sold it out that Monday. Uh, I believe it was that Monday, the, uh, the venue higher ground made a post canceling some shows, uh, for that next weekend. And then like the day after that, they were like, yeah, we're, we're closed period. Wow. And then that's like, it just was a domino effect. All the venues, we had another really big show that we were headlining at Palladium. Yes. I was um, going to that and- one. Yes. I actually kind of forgot about it till just now talking about it, um, which also kind of uh, boils my blood a little thinking about it. But I would think so. We had a headliner at Palladium. Yeah, that was going to be fucking sweet. We were looking to I mean, think about how fucking badass would that be to sell out our hometown show and then like the next month sell out Palladium upstairs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that would have been so cool. And like we had even um, incentives that if we sold it out, we can move it downstairs. And like there's a lot of really cool opportunities there and the promoter god bless his soul was like clinging onto it with dear life and he was just saying like oh yeah it's gonna happen it's gonna happen oh. and meanwhile the whole world's shutting down and i mean he had a lot invested in it oh yeah all, we all did you right. know yep. and everyone all the other bands that were on the festival were like uh i don't think this is gonna happen and he finally was kind of uh forced to, to pull the plug on it and it's really it's really unfortunate it was going to be a really cool uh festival but um you know I am very thankful that we were at least able to do our album release show because, right. well, I mean, it was a it was a great night overall. It was good income, you know. Uh, it was a good morale booster, but it's just really hard to believe. Like, man, if this was one week afterwards, oh yeah, it would have right. been. You know what I mean? It would have been played. It would have been canceled. Right. So the timing was immaculate if you look at it that way. Um, but as far as the hello there songs, you're absolutely right. It's like. You know, those songs are amazing. And, um, you know, we really never got to play them that much live. And we played a couple of shows in 2020 and we played a little bit in 2021. We had a tour with um, Dropout Kings last yes. fall, mm-hmm. right. um, which was really cool. We got to headline um, uh, New Hampshire Booking Fest over at Jewel yes, in right. Manchester, New Hampshire. Yeah. That was pretty sick. So we got to play Phantom Pain. Um, and uh, the crowd loved it. I honestly, 
didn't think Phantom Pain was going to be that good of a live song. I'll level with you. Okay. Um, right. Some songs I, I anticipate doing well on streaming. Others are just, they just translate better live. I don't know how else to say it. Sure. You know, yeah, yeah. there's just songs that make way more sense live. Mm-hmm. Um, Phantom Pain, I wasn't super convinced, but people fucking loved it. It was a good sing-along. Nice. It's bouncy. Oh, yeah. So I was very pleasantly su- surprised to see people vibing with it. So we probably will keep that in our set list. Um. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, and you mentioned like the new songs, right? So we have dying to watch. We put out actually on my birthday, we put it back. Oh, that's right. We put it out on December 20th. Yeah. yeah. Which I'll never fucking do again. That's <laughs> awful because I thought it was going to be so smart. I'm like, oh, it's my birthday. People are going to maybe give it a sympathy. Listen, <laughs> you know, people on the fence and that might've been true, but holy fuck, dude, that was like so much work oh, yeah. trying to like respond to all these birthday wishes and then also the dying to watch stuff i'll never do that again intentionally (laughs) that was fucking stupid it was all my idea too i'm like guys let's do it on my birthday never fucking again absolutely not (laughs) um yeah so anyone listening out there don't ever release a song on your birthday if you can help it there you go fuck that there you go (laughs) um but uh anyways yeah i love that song um and uh we obviously have never played that song live right um but and we have our next song we actually just approved the final master as of today oh, awesome. for the next song. It's called white rabbit. Nice. Um, I don't mind sharing that. Whatever people are listening to your podcast, they can have a little treat, there whatever. Yeah. Nice. It's called white rabbit. It's the lightest song we've ever done. Okay. Um, we really push the hip hop elements in that song. We were kind of going for like, you know, the Lincoln park style, but more modern. Sure. Um, it's not aggressive. It's like, I, it's, it's like motionless and white meets Lincoln park. But it's still got the saving vice feel to it. It's hard to explain, but okay. and maybe I'll send it to you after this yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. podcast. You can give it a listen. That'd be awesome. Um, yeah, and uh, it's probably not in your wheelhouse, but we knew that the, we wanted to have a song that was going to be marketable, right, right? And something that was going to grab fans. Um, and also, this was never intended to be the third single that we were going to drop. Oh. I mean, Fan of Pain being you know the first, Dying to Watch being the second. Yep. You know, White Rabbit was never really meant to be the third. But um, our agent hit us up, you know, a couple months ago and uh, probably back in like uh, January, February. And she mentioned like, hey, because uh, we, we, we were always going to be on this Born Dead tour. We always knew about the Born Dead tour mm-hmm. in May, but we didn't know who we were going to be going out with. Initially, we were trying to put together some like hardcore type tour ah. where it was all like heavy bands. I think like left to suffer was one oh, of the bands sure. and yeah. traders. Yeah. There was a few names being tossed around. Um, and for whatever reason didn't work out. And Ashley, um, our agent basically hit us up one day and was like, Hey, so we have, um, you know, uh, Lil Zan huh. is like w- one of her new clients or whatever. And she's like, you know, I want to put together this multi-genre tour and we were all like, okay, yeah, fuck yeah, let's do that, you know? And yeah. it's like, isn't a completely different genre, obviously. But, you know, we felt like this was going to be a really good opportunity for us to branch out and also, like, capture a lot of those. I mean, you've you've seen it, man. You're, you're a pundit. You, you see this going on with all these, like, emo hip-hop kids, these teenagers yeah. that are trying to get in with the MGK-style stuff. And there's <laughs> a lot of genre bending going on right now i think it's beautiful you know well i think it's a great thing let's let's jump on that so the big let i mean we might as well look we talked about some kind of sad stuff some like oh shit that kind of stuff happened and you've transitioned very well to the positives right so right. let's let's say the tour so it's lil xan dropout kings wizard king eight if i'm saying that correctly uh rosh dog i think is how you say that and then yourselves So it is a completely different type of tour. But here's my question to you. And I know you're going to, you're definitely going to take the positive stance on this, but I've been trying to figure this out for a while now. And I would really love some stats on it and I can't find it, but I really truly, yeah, I I, I truly wonder, I I get why artists want to work with other different genres, right? Because the thought process is, is that you're going to bring people that might never have heard of you at some other point into what you do, and you're giving them a chance to see if they like you or not. Now, obviously they might not, and then they might actually really love you. But my question is, do you really, uh, let's say it's hip hop kids then, right? Or rap kids, Mm -hmm. right? They're there for Lil Xan. Do Mm -hmm. you think 
that more people are going to say, hey, I like Saving Vice and this is now part of the type of music I like? Or do you think it's more likely that people will go to see you, people that already like Saving Vice, and end up liking Lil Xan or a different pop act? Do you see what I mean? I think it's a, a valid question. I, I, um, <laughs> I wish those stats did exist because right. that would be very interesting. <laughs> I, I would care to wager that it's probably equal on okay. both ends. Um, I mean, it's hard because Lil Xan's obviously way bigger than us, um, objectively speaking. So, okay. you know, most of the people going to these shows probably will be his fans. Um, you know, so it's not totally accurate. You know what I mean? Like our fans are going to show up for sure, you know, but um, as far as like the conversion goes, um, I, I would like to think that it's pretty equal. I mean, like um, we haven't really done anything like this before. Um, right, right. I mean, we did tour the Dropout Kings and Chucky Chuck last fall. Chucky right. Chuck is a rapper and oh, okay. uh, Dropout Kings is like new metal rap. rap. Yeah. I'm sure you've probably listened to their oh, stuff. Yeah. They're great. Dudes. I'm, a, I'm a fan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think there's a good spread here. And it's not like we're going to just play heavy songs like, oh, and, and kind of going back to what I was saying about White Rabbit. Mm -hmm. So let me just finish that story. Oh, this yeah. will kind of make sense tying Absolutely. into this question. So, you know, with White Rabbit, like I mentioned, this wasn't never supposed to be the third single. But when Ashley hit us up and told us that we'd be touring with Lil Xan on this Born Dead tour, by the way, this wasn't official when she mentioned it. She was this was like a thought. Okay. And I told the guys, I'm like, guys, we got to do White Rabbit next. We got to get this video done. Let's fucking do it. And we rolled the dice and we gambled. And uh, I think it's about to pay off, man. Because nice. like, like I said, we got this final master today. Video is getting wrapped up. We're planning on putting this out probably early May. I think May okay. 13th is the tentative release date for this that we're planning on. Mm -hmm. And that sets us up perfectly for this little Xantor. Because now we have Phantom Pain, which right. is also kind of a hip hop song. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got this song. We have other songs that are very uh, more gateway for a lack of a better word. So like, you know, so, Eyes Up. We got I don't know if we're going to play So Safe Live. That's I <laughs> honestly, I don't really. That's one of those songs I don't think we'll ever play live. Man. Oh, like, okay. It's just too, it's a sing along. But yeah, I don't know. We need like a, a headliner for that kind of song. But gotcha. anyways, um, uh, nerve damage that's another great one so oh, yeah. like okay. these are these are songs that these kids are gonna gobble up you know right. and uh if we can be that gate ban uh gateway band for them to get into scene music you know then it, then that's awesome and dropout kings is obviously doing that they have their stuff's a lot more aggressive you yeah, know it's like right. shouty angry kind of of typically that's kind of like what their music is and it's awesome it's fucking fun it's bouncy we've already toured with them once and i know that um, there's a nice gradient between us, you know, these rappers and then you got dropout Kings who's bringing that metal energy to their set. Mm -hmm. And then you've got little Zan at the, um, you know, wrapping up the night or whatever. So sure. I think that, um, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be kids that don't bite and they're like, you know, this isn't for me or whatever, but you know, uh, it's really trendy right now to be goth and to <laughs> like metal so music. I, I'm serious. <laughs> I know. These, these I know. Are, you know, and his fans, um, you know, they're in tune with all this stuff in the right. mainstream. So would this tour have gone as well two, three years ago? Probably not. But I think now with the way the MGK has kind of like, I mean, say what you will about the guy. But oh, I have a lot to say. He's definitely, <laughs> yeah, sure. and I do, too. I do, too. <laughs> trust me. But um, if you look at it from a macro perspective, what he's doing, you know, contextually to the scene is fucking crazy and unprecedented and historical. Honestly, like he's. I want, he's not single-handedly doing this, but my point is that this genre bending thing, this mm -hmm. emo rap is bringing a lot of mainstream to scene music, which I personally, I know there's a lot of gatekeepers out there and people who, you know, which I kind of don't understand that much, but right. I think, um, I think it's a good thing. I think it's great to see bands that you look up to like Lorna Shore oh. and all these like, you know, like, like what they're doing. Actually, that's another great example. You know, they're on Lollapalooza or whatever. Yeah, right, right. And it wasn't somehow a joke. <laughs> it was a real thing. <laughs> like, what the fuck, man? It's right. like, it's just a wild time to be a musician. And I honestly think the more the merrier, man. Like, I'd love to see more. I, I don't think there's, it's like a thing that we're always going to want to do. You mm -hmm. know, obviously at some point we're going to want to go on a tour that, hits our core demographic, like maybe a tour with like, you know, Motionless and White and sure. Ice Nine Kills. Those are bands that 
you know, we get compared to a lot. So I think a tour with one or both of them at some point probably makes a lot of sense or, you know, other metalcore bands like, uh, you know, we came as Romans, like Moths to Flames, something like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I think that would be good for us at some point, but you know, I, I think that the multi genre bills do, um, bring in new fans. I think you kind of mentioned this, like it brings in people that would have never otherwise given a fuck about us. You know what I mean? Like Masta Flans fans are always going to be there for us. But little Xan fans, this is this could be our only opportunity to get them into our music, you know, right. into this genre. And like I said, I want to be a gateway band for these for these kids. So, yeah. you know, like we're going to play songs that are accessible and we might throw a couple heavy ones in there just to be like, fuck it. Let's sure. throw Echoes from the Gutter or yeah, the Binary EP nice. or just something. I don't know how long our set is, but like <laughs> right. maybe at least one song that's just all brutal screaming, you know, just right. to be like, whoa, yeah. you know? No, absolutely. I mean, I, let me ask you this, Ian, if Go you ahead. don't mind. Oh, yeah. What uh, we get we get six songs. Mm-hmm. Let's say we get six songs. Um, which I don't think is, you know, it's probably gonna be like five to seven. Let's say sure. six. Um, what do, what do you think would be a good set list? I know that I kind of put you on the spot. Oh, no, that's what do you fine. think would be a good well, I think for this because, for this tour, what, what would your recommendation be? Well, because I I tend to think a little bit like you, I think as well, where I'm thinking of the marketability, right? So right. I'm with you right right away. When I saw this tour announced, I went, well, Saving Vice should open, middle, and close with Phantom Pain because that's just <laughs> like right there is going to ingratiate right. yourselves to the audience. I think so, but Phantom Pain's definitely one. Uh, White yeah, Rabbit, absolutely. Yeah, now knowing about White Rabbit, White Rabbit has to be there as well because right. if it, it, it truly is, we that pretty much of... did it for this tour okay. on the off chance that it was going to happen, and it did. So we're absolutely playing it. Right. No, so, no yeah. that, that absolutely so makes Fantasy sense. And White Rabbit. I'd probably do. I'd probably do Endgame because I Interesting. think actually okay. Yeah. I well, I would say because also you have to if you're marketing yourselves as well. I think there are enough lyrics in that to talk about one of or to once again kind of open yourselves up to a crowd that might not know you they definitely right. know that movie you know what i mean yeah yeah and honestly um i'll, I'll let you finish your, oh, no, your cell list here yeah. but a quick comment on endgame you know earlier in the podcast i kind of mentioned some songs are more tailored for live some are more streaming mm-hmm. endgame is notoriously one of our least streamed songs that we have in our really? discography. Like it's not, yeah, it's not wow. very popular, but it fucks live. It yeah. fucks. Right. Kids love it. It's a bouncy <laughs> song. I don't know if it's the BPM. I don't know like what it is, but that song always goes hard live. Yeah. It just translates super well. I don't know. And some don't So like, uh, I'll give you an example of sure. a song that doesn't. Let me think of one. Um, Broken window. Oh, okay. Sure. Is one that, did not go super well uh, live from my understanding. I'm trying to remember too. Um, well, right. It's been the a breakdown while. did obviously, but the rest of that song, not so much. Gotcha. I'm trying to think of another one that we played. Um, hmm. Now I'm put on the spot. I can't think <laughs> of it. <laughs> I don't know my own songs apparently. Well, yeah, I know, but there's some songs where it's like, it's blank stares and right. You know, we're like, eh, maybe we shouldn't play this one again, you know, because we want to have a good life set. Right. But anyway, sorry, I'll let you oh, continue no, no, your that's, thoughts. No, oh. not a problem. What about Never Knows Best? Never Knows Best. Um, maybe. Um, actually, you know what? I think we might have the set list for this tour. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll tell you what. Um, if, you, if <laughs> I'll hit you up if you got to edit this out, but I'm <laughs> going to tell you. All right, if I don't hit you up, it's fair game. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Um, let me pull it up real quick. I got to, I got to. Oh, my fucking phone's on airplane. Oh, Jesus. Because by the way, respectful. I would. Oh, no, I appreciate that, by the way. But I would also say, obviously, I think you got to do dying to watch because that'll be your first time playing it. But then I, too, would throw in an echoes from the gutter just because if you have the ability to do it, I think that's something cool for not only quote unquote hardcore fans, but also the newer people to see something probably completely different than they're used to. Yeah, I, I think we I think you're right. I think we do have to play Dying to Watch just because it's our newest song. You know what I mean? Next, next to White Rabbit. And so. that's a that's a video game heavy, very popular. Like if anyone knows, if you even say if Tyler's up there and says Final Fantasy and then people listen to the lyrics, it, it automatically is going to grab them. Right. Exactly. He loves to do that in our songs. Yeah, doesn't he? he does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I could talk forever about that. Um, I mean, we're, right, right there, we're already kind of like at our cap, though. Yeah, I so think we're at, I think we're at six. So, anyway, so what, what do you got? Were you able to pull it up? Uh, no, unfortunately, I got the set list for our upcoming shows. And, ah, for um, the, that's Monument of the a mem- Memory, the right? Memory shows. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that should be a fun. So, show. I mean, that yeah, that will be fun, and it's. I, I'll read that just because I have it. Oh yeah, why might not? as well. But, um, yeah, so this is not for the little Zantor, but gotcha. Um, oh fuck! I don't think I just lost it. <laughs> it's always when I'm under pressure. Here oh yeah, of course. And we know okay, the show is uh, full of pressure. Bef- before I go, which is okay. our opener song as of right now, Makes it sense. used to be Hell Here. Now, before I go, is our intro song. That's what we walk out to. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks like we're going into Never Knows Best. Okay, there you go. Phantom Pain. Yep. Echoes from the Gutter. Okay. Dying to Watch nice. and Hell Here. Oh, there we go. Okay. Oh, so you're keeping it, the Hell Here part, you're keeping classic. Uh, Yeah. So Hell Here is pretty much, well, it's our most streamed song, first of all. Or, sure. or, let me rephrase. Our most streamed original song. Right, right. So, um, yeah, all of our acoustic shit, dude, kills. Oh, no, I'm, I'm not surprised. No fucking clue why, but all of our acoustic <laughs> shit we've done, like, just, it just fucks Spotify. I, I really, I don't know. But, so Hell Here is our most, like, uh, streamed um original song Mm -hmm. and it happens to be like our oldest og song uh for those of you who don't know hell here is the intro of our debut ep colder than dark colder than dark and yeah so that used to be our intro song right and now it's our uh encore song okay it works really well as an encore actually i just trim out the fucking intro to speed it up oh right right, but gotcha yeah i I mean i do a special thing for live um that makes sense but it's it's typically our encore song um and uh it, it, and it works great as an okay. encore song you know so i'm actually kind of surprised that we would that being said we would play that for this kind of show where we wouldn't be doing an encore so that's kind of confusing to me huh. but whatever you know what we're gonna <laughs> hammer out the set list this weekend when yeah, we rehearse yeah, anyway so all right but i was pretty um, close then yeah that yeah for uh like i said this was for the monument of a memory their their shows yeah take echoes um, out probably and put white rabbit in and then make sure yeah. you have Phantom Pain in there. And I think you're golden then. Yeah, I think we might need to. It's so funny, man. Like when we first dropped Colder Than Dark, it was um, we had six songs out. Right. So we had Exhale, which was like a standalone single. I fucking hate that song, by the way. It's like, <laughs> oh, my God, I could talk forever about Exhale, but I'm not going to. But it's fucking terrible. I hate it. Wow. But, and I've actually I've actually brought it to the guys like, can we just delete this song? Like, can we just oh, get rid of it? Wow. Damn. Yeah, and everyone was like, actually, that's not true. Not everyone. I think Chase was on my side with this one. Okay. Um, but everyone else was like, you know, Tyler and Ashley and the rest of the gang were like, no, it just shows your growth and stuff. I'm like, yeah, it really shows our growth, <laughs> I guess. Like, Jesus. We had some rough roots, bro. Like, yeah. That's so, <laughs> and it's like, I mean, I think it's a good song. I just think it, like, we could have recorded it, like, I don't know if we were to recreate exhale now, I think I can make, I could like de cheddar it a little bit, you know, make it sound, make it sound like 2022 saving vice. I think Tyler's tone improved a lot. You know, I I don't know. People do that all the time. And you reimagine your tracks now. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. And we've talked about it someday. Maybe that'll be like one of those. So like in between like our big releases between singles, we'll usually do like little stuff like, an acoustic cover or whatever, just to kind of like appease fans and keep content rolling out. That might be something that we do down the line and reimagine exhale. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyways, uh, so we had six songs, we had exhale and we had our five song EP and it was never a big deal when we played shows because it's like, well, we only get six songs anyway and we have six songs. So right, right. you know what I mean? And then once we started rolling out hello there, it started to get really good because we were like, all right, we can finally get rid of fucking exhale. We can get rid of once more, which was a pain in the fucking ass to play live. Uh, I hate, oh my God. I don't know which song I don't like more, but (laughs) they're very close. I think once more is a great song to listen to. I just hate playing it live. Uh, It's just really annoying. It's like, yeah, our guitarist at the time wrote it in a really awkward tuning and it like, yeah. Oh, I got you. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So, we got when, as soon as we got to cut those guys out, like things were pretty awesome. And then once we dropped Hello there, you know, it's just like now the set list becomes a, a real fucking challenge. Yeah. You know, right. 
a yeah. lot of a lot of big bigger bands deal that obviously the bigger discography you have now there's a lot of strategy involved man it's like you need songs that segue oh yeah they have similar you know maybe tunings that make sense like you don't want to go from a for a song in drop c all the way down to drop g sharp sure. it's just too jarring you know and it's also like i don't know you just want to kind of keep things simple live but it also needs to segue nicely mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you just got to think about how you're walking on stage how you're coming off stage like i don't know there's there's a lot of strategy i don't think a lot of fans are you know well you they know, all want to hear their favorite songs really understand yeah. you know what goes behind it right fans aren't thinking about all of the things that go into doing a live show, they just want to hear whatever their favorite song is. And they don't care when you play it, they just want to make sure they hear it. And right. that's it. That's that's the thought process right. that goes into and that. And I respect what fans want to hear to an extent. You know, right. like, I think it's valid. Like, they're the ones paying for the tickets. But it's also like, you know, I didn't understand either when I was younger. But now, you know, as a musician, 27 years old, been doing this for a while, like, I kind of... As I get older, as I get deeper into the scene, I start to uh, sympathize a lot more with the musicians. <laughs> you know, when I was younger, I'm like, I don't understand. Like, why don't they play this song live? And it's like, oh, shit. Like, I know why they don't play it live. You know, like, because right. that song sucks or it's hard as <laughs> or it's like just hard as hell to play and they don't want to deal with it. You know, like right. there's a. am not saying that's the only reason, but I'm just saying there's a lot of reasons why there's a lot of uh, uh, strategy that goes behind a a good set list, yes, you know, so uh, absolutely. You don't right. want to fuck yourselves live, you know? Right. So, um, yeah. So I guess that would be my one thing for fans. is just to trust, trust the artists a little bit more. Yeah. No, you you're know given, what I mean? You're given a lot of lessons. Look, you got to think about it this way too. Think about all those bands that have done 10 year, 15, whatever year anniversary tours where they play an album that probably wasn't curated to play live. Right. You're not thinking when you first make an album, oh, yeah, we're going to play this front to back someday, you know, live for everybody. So they have to go through and change whatever they have to manipulate, change, manipulate, whatever it happens to be to get. Well, yeah, now you got to make. Right. right, And you got to make backing tracks. You got to grab all your stems from all your Mm -hmm. songs Mm -hmm. and mix it like remix it pretty much. It's a whole fucking process. Like getting one song and not not only that you got to fucking rehearse it oh yeah you got to remember who how you played the guitar on that song right yeah, yeah. who the who fuck remembers, remembers? All that stuff. <laughs> yeah i'm a producer man i write songs all the time right. like for saving advice for my clients whatever mm-hmm. there's a lot of fucking riffs bouncing around my brain man like oh, it's yeah. all it's all mush right. i think honestly and i maybe this is like a therapy session i've kind of <laughs> just had discovery right now i think uh, a big reason why saving vice is all over the place uh there's a couple of reasons. Well, we're all ADHD for sure. That's sure. one. Uh, you know, we have a lot of different interests and, and influences. I think mm-hmm. that is one thing. Um, but I do think that it's easier for me to retain information going from a song like Dying to Watch into a song like White Rabbit. Ah. They're so different that it's like I can't really mistake them. Oh, it's the okay. songs that sound similar that fuck me up. Like, sure. uh, what's it uh nerve damage mm-hmm. um we played actually we, we may play that one live actually okay. All right. um that's a very strong possibility for the xantor mm-hmm. that's a very strong possibility nerve damage for a long time um i kept getting some of the riffs confused with like um with uh, uh broken window oh and because well a lot of the riffs are, are very similar so i would just get it kind of confused my muscle memory was so close that it was getting confused you know what i mean right so sometimes i'd end up playing a riff that was for a different song i mean obviously you get over that the more you practice and rehearse but um at least for me man being okay being a live musician and being a studio musician are two entirely different skill sets so different uh, yes yeah yes. i saw a documentary with tom petty and he said that and it was like such an uh an epiphany for me right. and it just made so much sense you know as a musician like being good on stage, being good live is a different fucking skill set than being in a studio tracking guitars where you're under a microscope doing yep. multiple takes, you know, and oftentimes you're writing. Yeah, that's why they're tracking. studio. I mean, think about it this way. That's why they're studio musicians, right? And there are touring exactly. musicians that you can hire. You can always hire right. separately, but most of the time someone's not doing both. Exactly. They're, it's like two different departments of your brain. Mm-hmm. And um you know, and I, I do tell my clients that all the time, too, when they come in and, you know, um, especially vocalists like vocalists are so hard to they're probably the trickiest um, member of a band to kind of 
get right in the studio because a lot of it's psychological. Oh, yeah. There's the physical aspect, right? You're, you're using your body, your voice. You're not grabbing an instrument or right. tool. You know, your, your tool is you. So there's a lot of like endurance that's like I could pick up a guitar at 3 a.m. and write a song if I wanted to. That would fucking suck, but I could. <laughs> I could do that. Uh, try waking Tyler up at 3 a.m. and telling him to go track vocals. Right. That's going right. to be on the new record. You know what I mean? And see how that goes. Let me know how that goes. So, um, you know what I mean? It's a lot different with a vocalist. Right. And these these young vocalists, they're sometimes, you know, oftentimes they're recording studio virgins. They're used to just singing along in their car. And they're like, oh, yeah, I, I can scream. I can make TikTok videos and whatever. Right. And it's like, okay, well, you know, now you're coming into a studio where I'm asking you to do five to 30 takes per line. You know what I mean? A minimum of five takes per line. Right. And that's if you're crushing it, like doing a good job and giving me good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Which, you know, doesn't, doesn't always, always happen. happen. Yeah. <laughs> right. Sometimes people struggle with a lot of things. And so it's a, I, I keep trying to impress upon them. It's a marathon. It's not a race. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a marathon. Uh, not it's a, a marathon, not a sprint. Not a sprint. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I can't believe I fucked we got, it up. We got it's our like cliches, right? That's we like one it. of my mantras and I fucked it up. I can't believe it. But um, it's not a marathon. You know, it, I mean, <laughs> it's a marathon, not a sprint. There we go. Now, when you are playing live, it's the opposite. Yes. It's a sprint, not right. a marathon, right? Yep. So, I mean, it, it still kind of is a marathon in the sense of you're playing a bunch of songs back to back, but it's, it's a different. one take. Right. You know what I mean? It's a one take. That It'd be the equivalent of a one take in a studio. Yep. Like. You're doing one pass throughout the whole song and you got to get it right on guitar, drums, vocals, everything. So, you know, it's like, like I said, you do a lot of writing in the studio. Mm -hmm. um, I've been a lot better about tabbing stuff out. Sometimes I'll take a video of myself playing oh, while yeah. I have the riff fresh in my mind, because I'll tell you, man, on Hello There, there is a lot of I mean, we do a lot of. We did a lot of pre-production on, on our end for that album, mm -hmm. but we still fucked with a lot of stuff in the studio when, when we were with Randy doing that album. And I remember like it was months and months and months later that like, I think we tracked that album like in 2019. Oh, okay. uh, I'm trying to think it would have been like, yes, yeah, like this time. No, not even. It, it would have been like. February 2019 or something. So a full year. And then we put out the album. Wow. Yeah. So it was like a year before the album came out. Damn. So, uh, I mean, obviously we had singles, but still, um, trying to get ready for like, for instance, the album release show we talked about, mm -hmm. you know, I'm like looking at these songs and I'm like, what the fuck am I playing here, <laughs> dude? Like I had to sound out, like I had to like get the stems and like mute each instrument, like each guitar part. And I'm like, what the fuck? And uh. just sound it out. And then, you know, it would come to me and I'm like, oh, OK, cool. But I kind of learned my lesson with Hello There. And I'm like, all right. So if, when I'm in the studio, at least take a pen and paper and write some shit down, some like mm -hmm. scratch. You know what I mean? Um, right. Just some like something I can remember the riff from. But uh, yeah, that's probably the hardest part um, that guitarists and bassists have that no one else in the band ever has to deal with. <laughs> uh, drummers don't really have to deal with that. No. Vocalists certainly don't. No. And Tyler's always like, I don't get it. Why do you guys like struggle to remember the parts? I'm like, dude, because they're all like the same fucking permutation of the same riff. Right. You know, across, you know, our whole discography. It's like a lot to remember. And I'm writing new songs constantly. Yep. Doing mixes. It's like, you know, your brain can only handle so much. Well, but the muscle memory's there. Yeah, and once right. you practice a little bit, um, it comes back to you. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. And also when you're playing every night on tour, the first night might suck. That's pretty common. But every night after that, it's going to get tighter. The screws will get tighter. Yes. Right. You're going to play tighter and you're going to be a better musician. And that's just how it goes. You know, and I've just learned to trust my body with that stuff. You know, right. I don't stress too hard about about that anymore. Oh, good. OK. Well, man, it seems like it seems like also Hell Here Studios is doing pretty well then if you're doing that much production, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm doing pretty well. Good. Um, you can talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, absolutely, man. Go ahead. Yeah. So, uh, hell here studios for those of you who don't know, that's my, um, that's my studio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I live in, um, upstate New York and, uh, moved here with my, uh, ex now ex partner. Right. Um, we have a house together and that's basically, you know, I've been operating out of here for, um, basically a little over a year now. Um, had a lot of clients last year in 2021 mm -hmm. 
Uh, COVID definitely didn't help that much just because of, you know, people had to wear masks and stuff like that. And it was just kind of like, not the best time to have a physical recording studio, you know, it's like we're doing in-person work, but it was cool. I met a lot of cool new people. Oh, good. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, um, a lot of cool new bands and friends and stuff like that produce their albums, um, and songs. Uh, one, one shout out I'd, I'd like to give is to in shallows. I don't, I don't oh, know if you're familiar with them, I am. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're really good. They're really good dudes. They were, um, you know, friends of our, friends of ours from back in the day and big fans of saving vice. And, you know, I got talking with, um, Bobby and Colin, you know, founded the group and, uh, yeah, we started tracking and they were the first band to really invest in me and they put nice. out their debut EP. Yeah. Last year. And, um, absolutely crushed it and randy did the mix work oh uh, very nice. who does our stuff yeah and uh sounds great and you know i'm looking forward to having them back for the lp eventually oh great um yeah so that was really cool to like you know share my talents with other bands and stuff like that i'm a yeah. really creative guy and you know um i love writing music it's like one of my favorite things to do and now i get paid to do it right. <laughs> you know what i mean and right. i'd be lying if i didn't say that um you know, I'd be lying if I said that saving vice didn't help. You know, I would say 90, probably 90% of the clients that come in here um, are big fans of saving vice. And oh, okay. honestly, I think that's a great thing because it cl- clearly shows that they love my work and my production with our, with our band, you know? Right, right. And I think that was uh, a big part of, you know, Phantom Pain, Dying to Watch, and now White Rabbit were these songs that I produced, I self-produced. There's a couple of reasons behind this. Number okay. one, money. Um, sure. You know, being in the pandemic was, like I kind of mentioned earlier, really hard to get by. And it's like, okay, well, if we want to put out music, you know, we're going to have to get creative and think of new ways to to do this stuff, you know, um, affordably. So I was like, fuck it. Like, you know, I'm already working on other client stuff. Like, let's, I've already put out a couple, you know, my first like real self-produced thing for saving vice was binary EP, which did super fucking well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, people seem to really love that. And then, um, I was like, fuck it. These next few songs, let me do. And it's like, at the same time, I kind of told myself, it's like, if I can't stand by my own work, why, why, why should anyone else, you know? So I was like, um, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to do these songs and, you know, phantom pain, uh, Dino watch and white rabbit all self-produced by. Oh, very truly. Very cool. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm super proud of it and it's definitely yielded me a lot more work. Um, just because it's like, you know, that, that, I mean, that's what it comes down to, to anyone in this kind of industry, whether it's like, you know, audio production or graphic design. Um, a lot of it comes down to your portfolio. Who have you worked with in the past? Um, like a lot of it's weighted towards that. So if you can walk the walk and you know, if you can talk the talk and walk the walk, you know what I mean? You're going to do fine in whatever <laughs> career that you're looking for. So, you know, my, my calendar is always getting booked up, you know, because I have that, I got to skip the line a little bit. I'm very blessed and lucky, but in a weird way, it's like, I didn't really skip the line because I worked for years with saving vice to get right. it to where it is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I still earned it. It's just not directly. Like there's some people, I got a lot of homies that are like mix engineers uh, and producers and stuff, but they don't have a band or they never had the kind of success I had outside of that, you know? Yep. So they don't really have a leg to stand on. They just have to work for free until they find someone that blows up. It's like, well, my band's the thing that quote, I don't want to say blew up, but my band's the successful thing that I'm, you know, dangling in front of these people's faces, sure. the yeah, carrot, yeah. you know, that's your proof. So yeah. that's your, proof. that's my proof. Exactly. Yeah, that's, right. that's my proof that I know what I'm doing, you exactly. know? So it's like, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, you no, know, and no, no. a lot, a lot of producers, it's like, you need that cash cow. You need that one band you work with to just hit the jackpot. And I mean, you look at like uh Joey Sturgis, he's a big, oh, a, yeah. uh, he's a big um, influence of mine. I, lo- I love Joey sure. and his story, you know, he basically worked with the devil Wars Prada. He saw something in them right? and worked for them for, I don't want to butcher his story, but I think he was doing like something really stupid, cheap, like 50 bucks a song or something crazy, right? like dumb, cheap did their debut EP or album or something. I don't want to butcher his story, but no, he you. worked with them, invested in them, begged them to to work with him. They finally were like, all right, let's do it. And uh, he worked with them and they blew up. 
right. and became one of the biggest metalcore bands in the scene. And Joey got a lot more work off of Devil Wears Prada. He got to work with a lot of scene bands. We I came mean, as Romans, so Crown the Empire, Asking Alexandria was another band that blew him up. Sure. You know, it's like, so, you know, it's like, that's, that's how in this industry it goes. It's not necessarily, there's a lot of good mixing engineers out, out there. There's a lot of good producers out there. But the ones that get all the money are the ones that work with these clients. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. These bands want to be like these other bands. You know what I'm saying? They want to follow the same footsteps. And, um, you know, that's just how it is right. in this industry. You know? Yeah. That's a no. It's it's absolutely, that's the template, right? That's how right. things work. It's kind of like the procedure that you have to go through well, to get somewhere. Well, it makes sense. Yeah. If you're a band... Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. If I mean, we've done some of that too, where it's like, you know, you're in a band and you look up to another band and you see their success and you try to, uh, we've been, we've always been a very analytical band. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we've done a pretty good job for the most part, filtering out the bullshit, you know, all the stuff that was kind of irrelevant or like, you know, for example, the record label thing, you know, like we're obviously independent and it's like, yeah, we've, we've, you know, talked with labels and stuff in the past and, We've had, you know, interest in, in saving vice. Um, I can't like, you know, talk too much about no, that no. stuff, but right. you know, um, we're not stupid. We're not going to just sign some, we're not going to sign our souls away. You know, like we're finally at a point where we're actually making money and it's like, we're doing pretty well independently. And it's like, if we're going to get signed to a label, it needs to make sense. Right. Right. You know, I don't want these corporate hands in my pockets, you know, taking advantage of me milking me for all I'm worth. You know what I'm saying? Like oh, it's yeah. just right. for like short term fame. And then we get crumpled up and thrown in the trash. Like every other band, like fuck that dude. Like, you know, so it's like, we got to be smart. And I think that we're really good. We've been really good about that, you know, um, throughout oh, yeah. our career. And, you know, like we're just, we're very rational people. I mean, we're obviously we're human and we have emotions and stuff and get excited and whatever. But, you know, we, we definitely think straight. You know, right. and right. you know, you know us, you, you've oh, been yeah, friends with us for a while. Like, right. Yeah. So, and I think that's important in this industry. You got to be level-headed and, um, yeah. Yeah. No, that, that completely makes sense. <laughs> oh, no, no, that, no, no, you're, you're absolutely on the right path. I think with what you were saying and then also your career too, but it, it's one of those things where you're able, if you're able to do everything in-house, right. And you mm. just have this tour announced with, with Lil Xan. And right. sure, it's it's gender bending, and it's wait, did I say gender? It's <laughs> we're leaving that in, bro. Yeah, yeah it's it's genre bending. There we go. Canceled. Let's hold hands. Oh my god, get canceled together. <laughs> Finally, fine. I've been waiting. I've been waiting, Robbie. Uh, I'm just, I'm so happy it was with you. That's that's what that. Is. That's fucking funny. Gender bending. All right. Genre, genre bending. I'm thinking of the the episode of Futurama with Bender. And I'm you're just making thinking, me think if I said that earlier, gender bending. I wonder That's if you, funny. I'll, I'll look through. I might have. I don't know. I'll, I'll you're making through. me think about it. That's pretty funny. So genre, genre bending that you're on this, you know, this major tour and, you know, obviously you, you know, you keep on taking steps up with what tours you guys are doing. But if you're, if you're able to do everything in house and get touring, then really, what is a label giving you at that point? If you're exactly, able, bro, exactly. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. That's absolutely right. And I think that there's a lot of bands out there now starting to realize this, that labels aren't what they used to be. And it's just like this old white dude lunch table mentality golf course mentality mm-hmm. where it's like a boys club. And, uh, I really want to tell a story, but I'm wondering if I am, if I'm allowed to, uh, huh. look, as yeah, much I, as- I don't want to see, I, I don't, I want to be very like, uh, political about it. Cause I don't want to, I don't yes. want to blow anyone up. That's not who I am. I don't like doing that kind of stuff. Right. But, right. Right. Um, let me, uh, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll speak kind of vaguely, I guess on okay. this one, but I'll give you a great example. So we, when we drop phantom pain, you know, Phantom Pain had a lot of mainstream potential, obviously. Mm-hmm. It, you know, I thought the mix was really well done. Like, you know, typical Saving Vice, really well put together song. Um, you know, something that you would hear on, you know, uh, you know, on Octane or whatever. And sure. we sure. basically, you know, I talked with the guys and I'm like, let's try to get this on radio. Let's do it. Okay. Why not? Yeah, why not? So we got all of our fans together and we just like blew up Octane 
on Twitter, like pretty much all social media. We got them, you know, tagging Saving Vice and stuff like that. Nothing. You, you'd think that, you know, their dick would wiggle a little bit, you know, <laughs> like something would happen, you know, but we had so many people reach out and just like blow them up about Phantom Pain because uh, we saw another band in, in the scene doing something, uh, you know, with one of their singles or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And they were experiencing a lot of success with it. And um, we we're like, fuck, like, let's we got to do that. And um, basically nothing happened, just crickets. And it was pretty demoralizing. And we eventually found out that, um, you know, this band or whatever uh, basically had a lot of um, there's a, there's a lot of uh, who, you know, behind yes. the scenes, you know, yes. <laughs> a lot of handshake deals and stuff like that. And it's just one of those things where like. Um, I don't know, man. It's just one of those things where it's like, it's frustrating. It's like, oh man, like it just comes, it doesn't come down to talent. It doesn't come down to, no. and you know what I mean? Like it just comes down to who you know right. and who you blow and it yeah. sucks. It really sucks, man. It's very true. And that's probably one of the more frustrating things that we have to put up with is like, you know, it's just like no, nothing's ever fucking earned. It's all about who, you know, yeah. the who, you know, stuff. And like, I'm not saying don't network or whatever like you know no, like, that's important you know, obviously ne- networking is important yeah yep. it's important you know but it's like it's also like there's got to be some level of like dignity you know like right. <laughs> give credit where it's due and it's like i don't know man it's just like it sucks and like the whole label thing same way you know what i mean getting yes. verified on social media same way same way yep if you have deep pockets you know what i mean you need to have deep pockets and be in cahoots with Instagram and Twitter if you want to get verified. Like that's just how it is. Yeah. No, it's it's very you know true. What I mean? It's it's very I, I don't know if it's an exact replica or, or not, but I always think of that movie. Do you remember that movie Airheads? Mm-hmm. Uh vaguely. Brendan yeah, Fraser and, and Adam Sandler and uh oh, what's his face? I can't picture he's he's in a lot of Adam Sandler movies. He's a great actor, but I just can't remember. But they break in it's like from the 90s. So they break into a radio station to get their single played because mm-hmm. they're trying, you know, they're a hair metal band or whatever, and they're trying to get their music out there. But really, to be quite honest, not a whole lot has changed. Radio is dead, pretty much. There are no rock stations that exist anymore. Right. But then if you talk about, you know, internet radio, or you talk about satellite radio, it's the same exact business practice anyways just on satellite radio so it still takes that same type of thing to get your song played and that's why i think it's still so weird when there are podcasts available and there are independent music uh i mean podcasts radio stations on the internet all that kind of stuff where people could hear whatever they want they're still going to listen to a satellite radio station that plays the same 10 songs over and over again it still seems so weird to me yeah it's just it's all fucked, man. <laughs> Basically, I don't I don't really know what else to say. No, and I know. I know. So, I mean, with our band, it's like, I mean, we still kind of bump into that stuff from time to time. <clears throat> man, I got so many stories I wish I could share on here that like <laughs> would get me in so much trouble. And it's like, I would be so fine to do it off the air. But yeah, there's, I, I have a lot of stories, man, where it's just like, really? Like, what the fuck? Like, right. I don't know. But at the same time, it's like, we know deep down that we're writing our story. And I, I genuinely, genuinely believe that Saving Vice is onto something unprecedented. And I think we're pioneering a whole new wave of independent artists. I hope so. And, and I hope we can be that band. I really, really hope, Ian, that we are a band within three to five years can be a top tier scene band and be doing these headliners, you know, downstairs. You know what I mean? Like yeah. and doing really well. And our story is, well, we were independent and we wrote really good music and worked our asses off and we're nice to people. And that's it. That's the fucking formula. Yeah. Be nice to so. people, work your ass off and write actually good music that right. people like. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like, that should be the fucking recipe for success. So, think so. there's a right. lot of, um, yeah, there's a lot of pride in that mission statement. And I think deep down, we all know that we're rewriting the books and hopefully walking. So a lot of future artists can run in our footsteps and do this independently. And quite frankly, it's the easiest time in human history to be an independent artist. Right. All the information you want is out there, man. Like, oh, yeah. I remember. Yeah. I remember a couple of years ago, 2019, I like made Saving Vice a business and n- knew nothing about that. That's something a label handles. Right. Right. 
And I just did a shit ton of research, got us an LLC, registered us in the state of Vermont. Mm -hmm. Boom, done. Right. Right? Yep. Oh, we need a trademark. Oh, we don't have a label. Oh, I guess I'll research it. Boom, done. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Copyright all of our songs for the US, uh, you know, copyright office. Yep. Figured it out. YouTube videos, done. BMI, get all of our royalties that no, like no musicians know about that they have that are sitting somewhere. Yep. Uh, Yeah. Figured out our publishing and all that stuff research boom done right right yep all the information is fucking out there all this information i mean i mean quite frankly it's not like super accessible like you got to dig a little to find this stuff yeah, you got to work a little bit i yeah. figured out i ask people you know what i mean i got friends and bands that are also independent or have been around the block and just I, I i'm always like researching man i'm always trying to learn and grow and and um understand things and, you know, with this industry, it's just like, you know, what's more punk rock than the in- the internet and having the freedom of information and, you know what I'm saying? And like learning how to do all this stuff by yourself. I think the and, problem, honestly, Robbie, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, no, I absolutely, I love, I love exactly what you're saying. This is what I've been saying for years. So I, I love hearing it from someone else who's actually been able to take it, do it and had something to show for it. But I, I think, and this is not to get into a huge conversation because I think we probably got to wrap up soon just because we could go, sure, for, yeah. we could go for so much longer. But it's one oh, of those yeah. things where I honestly think that things have changed in the scene so much that what is punk rock now? People think that MGK is punk rock, and that's the opposite of what it's supposed to be. When you talk about being popular, that's not punk rock. You know what I mean? So I know. It's, it's like this weird paradox. Exactly. It's so funny. Yeah, I see people talk about that all the time, and it's it's weird. Uh, to me, punk rock is sort of just like, fuck the status quo, right? Like, fuck right. the mainstream. Fuck these labels that are tr- just taking advantage of these artists and just robbing them. Like, legal thievery is what's happening sure. to some of these artists. They gobble them up for an album or two and then spit them out in the trash can. Right. Like that's It's just so disgusting to watch. And it's like... If we can do this independently, I feel like that's pretty fucking punk rock, dude. Like, yes, you know what I, I do. mean? Like, I, yep, I agree. All these labels, fuck all this. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. No, I'm, to I'm, me, that's I'm, what punk rock is. It's like a, like a culture, or not even a culture. It's like a mindset. Yeah, you know? it's a state of mind. Yeah, state of mind. I yeah. absolutely, I absolutely agree. Well, here, Robbie. So right now, we're we're over an hour. Okay. I think I think what you just did is a great encapsulation of everything. So not to dilute the message or anything, I think that's why we probably should end and do another part, you know, in a few months. Kind of reconvene after the Lil Xan tour and kind of go into more of this because there's still plenty of even scene topics that we could be talking about right now. Oh, yeah, dude, we could talk forever. I I remember we used to talk all the time, so... (laughs) There's plenty, plenty to talk about, man. We're going to turn off the mics. We're going to turn off the recorders, and then we're going to talk a little bit more. But at least for sure. right now, is there anything else you wanted? Obviously, we'll do a plug section and everything, but is there anything else you wanted to go over before we end things? Um, Not really. Okay. I, I, think that, I think that's a good place to leave off. We can always, you know, pick up on a new subject another time. That's oh, yeah. fine with me. Yeah, I think that'll work. So let's get let's get the plug section down for sure. So mm-hmm. not only do now this is probably coming out next week or the week after. So there's a possibility that people can still go see you guys with Monument of a Memory. You've got you've been promoting that tour for a while, but then you said in May is when the Lil Xan tour is going to happen, and then obviously you're working towards your next LP. And you said that White Rabbit will probably be released sometime in May, somewhere around there. So I will have links in the description of the episode so that everyone can follow you guys on all social media so that they can order when you, whenever you guys have the merch drops, which like you said, they're very unique. They're a lot different than what you see all the time in the scene. They, they have a lot of work put into them. So we'll make it very easy for people to you know buy that as well. But is there any other way for people to support you guys? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, Following your favorite bands on social media, even if you don't have money to spare, I think I really want to impress this upon fans that like, like obviously financially support your favorite artists, not just us, but if you truly believe in a band out there and you really care about them a lot, like please do go to their shows and support them and do everything you can. But 
sometimes you don't even need to do it with money. You don't need to necessarily go to a show and buy tickets or even buy merch or whatever. You know, sometimes just commenting on their posts and following them and gassing them up. You know what I mean? Like that helps more people see them and reach them. And that's completely free to do. Right. So if if anyone's listening to this, um, I encourage you not not just saving vice, but you know, any band that you truly believe in and love and want to see grow and prosper, um, you know, support them and engage with them and do everything you can to to help push their their dreams, you know? There we go. That's a really good message. That's an awesome message. Well done, Robbie. Yeah, no, that's great. Right. Well, man, it has been really great to catch up with you. Like I said, we'll do this again in a few months, somewhere around there. We'll be able to talk, you know, scene topics, catch up with how the tour went. But it was really great being able to hear what you have been through re- recently, what's coming up on the horizon, how positive things are looking. So I'm always a fan of doing that. I always like catching up with you. So once again, man, thank you very much for taking the time to do this. Thanks for having me.